0: Hello and welcome to the Road Monkey podcast and episode 77. My name is Kevin Picard and I host a show that delves into the minds of people who have unusual journeys, ones that perhaps deviate from the norm and hope to inspire others to explore new and exciting journeys themselves. This week we're hearing from an actor and getting a brutally honest insight into what the realities of that journey looks like. Lauren Osborne Actress-turned-new-mum talks about the realities of the performing arts industry, the key ingredients of how to keep your head above water and your bank balance above zero, and how to enjoy the journey along the way. We explore everything from the challenges with the school system for young creatives, all the way through to some of the key turning points that are of real interest for people from all careers to hear. From all industries, the journey is full of potential opportunities, but constantly putting yourself out there, volunteering, exploring different avenues, you genuinely do create your own luck. And our conversation today with Lauren is a great example of that. I've known Lauren for a few years now, and it's a super fun discussion that is open, honest, and a wonderful reflection of her philosophy on how she approaches her life. Just before we get started, don't forget to give us a quick follow across all the socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. And make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can watch our interviews in full as well as see bonus content. All the links you need are in the show notes. Okay, let's get into it. And episode 77 of the Road Monkey podcast. Lauren Osborne, the acting journey, pulling back the curtain. Hello, Lauren, and welcome to the podcast. How are you?
1: Hello, I'm good. Thank you. I am. Um, my mum just came around to pick up my baby and asked what I was doing and what we were talking about. And she said, oh, Kev is in swimming, Kev. I said, yeah. And she said, oh, what are you talking about? I said, swimming. And she was like, what does he, <laughs> why was he asking you about swimming? And I said, oh, you know, about how swimming has impacted my life and things like that. And the weird thing was that she wasn't confused by the fact that swimming has had very little involvement in my life and she was like oh right she was like oh yeah i guess because you scuba dive and i was like yeah actually fair (laughs) i couldn't argue that so now we have to talk about swimming
0: no we're not going to (laughs) (laughs) that's uh i'm escaping from my day job to chat today so Uh, obviously well thanks for, for sharing some time with us it's um it's been it's going to be an interesting bit of time exploring i guess the various hats you wear but i've given listeners and viewers already a bit of an introduction to who you are but let's let's go from the top give us a headline journey as to who you are and kind of your journey to now
1: oh wow okay so i'm lauren um i have two names lauren osborne is my professional name and lauren jennings is my married name um i definitely decided to keep my name um, professionally simply because i could (laughs) i was like keeping that um but yeah so my journey up till now i guess has been kind of standard went to drama school instead of university um when i turned 18 and left normal school and then um graduated in 2012 had a few fun jobs along the way um and punched out a baby last year now i'm here and kind of maneuvering that life motherhood career and trying to maintain a steady income with another option of career yeah has that answer the question I'm not sure
0: it is, certainly does and I think there's a thousand and one things like I should probably articulate to both the viewers and listeners that I know you outside of the podcast so we ah. it's the <gasps> shock horror it's the first podcast I've ever done almost a complete dry run through so when we went for our our walk yesterday I gave all the goods
1: yesterday I haven't got any good things
0: to talk about today (laughs) it makes it a lot easier for me because now I know pretty much exactly the kind of questions I want to ask okay well uh I I'm quite curious as to where it all started so going into kind of this performing arts and creative space was that something you've had as a small child or you know where did that kind of first stick in your mind as being something that you were passionate about
1: I feel like there has not been a day in my life where I haven't wanted to be a performer in some description. Um, I have a really vague memory of being at nursery, um, the wall outside my nursery, and getting my dad to pretend to be, I don't know, a character with me while we were waiting to go into nursery. And it's a, it's such a vivid memory of mine. Um, and I feel like I, I knew there and then I was like, yep I'm going to be an actor. And I feel like dad and I had a conversation about it. Um, and yeah, it kind of, that was it. And my parents would always then take us to see shows and things as surprises. And it kind of fueled the passion. And my nana was um, an English and drama teacher just in a normal um, school. Um, and... So she was enthusiastic about my passion for it as well, and would often sign me up for drama clubs and things in the summer holidays and stuff. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where that took hold. I guess I just always loved being the centre of attention. Uh, I remember being in the car as a kid, and we'd always be listening to some sort of musical soundtrack, or my mum would be harmonising with things on the radio. and. I always used to try and harmonize as well. And I was always so, as a singer, I was always so, when you're a kid, I think, anyway, as singers, you listen to people with the natural vibrato in their voice, the little like, bit that wobbles throughout the song. And I I remember I used to try and do this, do it with my my body. I'd be like, ah. And I, I remember having to sit and watch myself in the mirror and train myself out of that and let it, my natural vibrato happened which then took over at whatever age that happened but I remember my mum being like Lauren you've you've got to stop this if you want it to come it's gonna come I was like okay that
0: was fun so at what point do you go from because you know if you ask anyone who's in that kind of creative space when they're you know in their early years primary school even early in secondary school what do you want to do they might say i you know i want to be a singer or i want to be an actress or whatever it is but actually there's a big difference between saying that and then actually following that for a, a professional part of your life so mm. uh, what what point did it go from this is a passion and i fill a lot of my spare time outside of the school doing this to suddenly i'm actually going to try and pursue this for something career-wise
1: i mean i genuinely was trying to pursue it as a career from day dot, like the second I knew it was something that I could get paid to do, I was trying to do that. Um, so I got I did an advert when I was seven. Um, that was for bonbons, you know, the toffees that are covered in sherbet. Uh, that was fun. Um, and then I did another one a, a few years later for PC World when I was a teenager. And that was actually terrible money as well um but i just loved everything about it and 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 that obviously uh was filmed stuff um which is where the money is i guess um but theater wise has just always been i guess i would have always called myself an actress even before i was professionally a performer i kind of all my life I was like oh yeah i'm an actor like so what I don't get paid for it I, that's what I am um, in the same way that you'd be like I'm a swimmer just because you were a kid and swam you'd still call yourself a swimmer back then do you know what I mean um, and when I was uh, it was actually the same year that I did the PC world advert I put on my own show um, in a theatre from St Albans where I live that where I lived and um, that was so successful I did two days of this little thrown together show and I got this oh it was so rewarding making making my own money from something that i i started from scratch myself uh so i just the whole creative process was something i've always loved doing um but i guess for other people it probably comes at that time at like gcse's where you're thinking oh what subjects do i want to take um and maybe again a few years later at a levels but for me, it was there was never any question; it was always going to be performing. Um, I do a bit of photography now as well, and I couldn't do them side by side as a option throughout education because it was too much creative. So I had to do a language, and I had to do a science or something. So and that wasn't my parents; that was school. Like they wouldn't allow me to do uh, drama, music, and photography. I had to choose. Um, one or the other I couldn't do all of them so photography was always just a little side passion that I enjoyed and now I'm trying to make it a bit more of a viable career option to support the performing because as we know performing isn't the most
0: reliable source of work. So I mean we could get into a quite a long discussion just on that from an educational point of view Mm. because if you're generally a naturally creative person I think almost force feeding you because you have your standalone subjects, English and maths that you have to do. And then beyond that, it's almost like you have to pick one from each hat, like they're still figuring out that you're figuring out what you want to do. And for some some people at a young age, they might already be there and, you know, I was fortunate enough to go to a sports college and that was, well, I want to do sport and I'll take extra sport on top of the sport and then I'll pick sport as another subject. Whereas I do feel like that point you've articulated there, I don't want to brush over that because actually there's a lot of people out there who feel like they perhaps almost have to close down a creative avenue that they've got because the system doesn't allow them to do it. So how did you navigate that?
1: Uh, with a lot of frustration, actually. It, it, but Looking back on it actually fills me with such disappointment I guess because while the school I was at was actually really nourishing I guess of of talent in any capacity whether that was performing sport you know just clever kids they, they were really good at encouraging it but obviously the system that the school has to conform to as well is still was still there and is still there so you couldn't the option wasn't Allowed, I would, the school would. The school. It wasn't that the school wouldn't allow me. It was that they weren't allowed to, you know, say, yeah, you go and do all these creative things, um, and I guess the thing is, it 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 has to work for everyone. I understand that because not everybody is creative either. So they have to. The way that the structure is has to enable people to try a bit of everything. Um, but for someone like me, it just meant that for the subjects that I had to do, that I didn't want to do, I I very much didn't <laughs> excel in. Um, and I just always felt like I was always telling myself, oh, you're really dumb, you're really stupid, you're not clever at these sorts of things. And I have definitely brought that into my adult life, definitely. Uh, I now just absolutely run a mile when anything in terms of maths is, is concerned or anything like that. Um, but. For other people yeah I think there's a lot of you get to that again GCSE stage where you have careers advisors come in and chat to you about what's next and I remember I'd always say oh you know I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be an actor that's that's just it and they'd be like right so child psychology <laughs> <laughs> or like just something it was always something like that or like oh you can go into being something to do with yeah, um, like counseling and stuff and I was like yeah that would be great I would probably do well in that but it's not where my heart lies <laughs> thank you next <laughs> um and yeah so it was just about i guess for some people some you know teenagers children those kind of conversations could really throw them off their goal um thinking oh actually it's not a viable option etc I, I think actually my husband is a friend of yours um I feel like he had a conversation with the teacher once where he said oh I want to be a stuntman and they were like <laughs> that's not a real job. My brother is a stuntman and doing really well as a stuntman so it's it's one of those things where you kind of don't real... And even my brother said the other day he didn't realise it was a real job when he was a kid and actually he's living the life that he would have dreamt he could have lived now but growing up he didn't realise it was an actual real job he kind of just thought only Bruce Lee did that.
0: <laughs> um do you know what's absolutely fascinating and without kind of getting too much ahead of the spoilers in one of my future episodes although I'm not sure how far in the future um we've got a, a guy coming on who runs a school out in Australia and it's a very forward-thinking school it's basically a sick form it's probably the best I mean the school system's different out there but in my head it's a sick form and basically if you you go there because you have an interest in surfing and every day the school day starts at 7 a.m you surf from seven till say nine, you then go in, you have to do English and maths, that's a stipulation by the state. And once you finish English and maths mid to late morning, you then get basically asked, what is the career you think you want to do? And if you want to be a, you know, a, Marketing director, you go and work in a marketing company. You get experience in that. If you want to be an actor, you go and do that. If you want to do work in a hospital, you go and experience that. So by the time you come out at 18 and then decide on university, you've already had a few years' experience of actually what that career could look like, and maybe Mm -hmm. go that is for me or it's not for me. But I I really like that kind of holistic way of developing people because, to be honest, the the world is so different to what it was when the educational system was structured the way it is now, and if you ask a lot of young people what they want to do actually it's something that doesn't tick the right boxes of what the school system is so i do feel like we've got a lot of square pegs going into round holes at the moment Mm. um so what was so you've got to you've got three gcses you've you've done the subjects that some you've chosen some you've been forced to do what what came next and how was that transition going into the the next step if you like of actually pursuing that career
1: so that was applying for drama schools um which is Uh, Some of them you apply through UCAS as you would a normal university and some you apply privately. Uh, Each one of them has an extortionate audition fee as well. I think RADA is like £90 to audition for. That's just to audition but That's just a sign up. Um, And so I don't know. Do do you have to pay to apply to universities? I don't think. Do you?
0: No. No. I mean, you pay a lot when you get there. (laughs) Yeah, sure. But it's the um, same.
1: That's the same as like performing arts schools if you go to a, one that's not a university as well so you still come out with a degree but you're paying some of them when I was at university were like 15 grand a year which I know is like the normal university rates now but when I was it was like the nine grand a year so the the other there were some schools that weren't linked to unis that were even more I just I, it's crazy um but yeah so you apply for drama schools Sometimes you don't even get offered an audition because so many people apply and um, then you get an audition if you're lucky go along. Um, usually three times, so you have the first round, second round, third round, um, but usually they're all on different dates as well. Um, and sometimes they could be just a quick in and out thing and some days, some places where they were like a whole day workshop. Um, and And then, yeah, so I got into Central School of Speech and Drama, which is where I ended up going Um, and I only auditioned for four places. I think Um, that was actually the only place I got into. Um, And yeah, kind of just went from there, had three years training, doing acting um, and musical theatre. And then in your final year, you do showcases for agents and you go off and become rich and famous. Um, but in my final year of um, drama school, I tore a vocal fold, which is your, your vocal chords. Um, I'd torn one, which I guess is a combination of probably partying too much and <laughs> alongside performing all the time at school and things, um, using my voice way too much when it was tired and just stretching it beyond its um, capabilities. And I, I hadn't known that I'd done the damage So it healed incorrectly so i had to then have um laser surgery on it to remove the scar tissue and then i had to be mute for two weeks so that was all in my third year of drama school which kind of um massively disrupted my time in that last year which was a bit of a shame but i still did well and had a good time um but yeah then graduated in 2012 like i said earlier and yeah that's kind of that's how it goes i guess for the generic path into performing the from education if you you know if you haven't come from a family where there's links to the industry or if you haven't been a lucky person to have landed a a decent role without training which some people do
0: (laughs) so let's let's talk next steps then because there's again a huge difference even in any industry going through university and actually looking at all of the the training and learning part of it and then actually walking out the front doing ah now right now i've got to stand on my own two feet if you like and actually make ends meet but actually get these opportunities and yeah. seek out those opportunities so how did you go about that and also for the people that i think see that nice straight line when you're in the careers meeting at 16 and they say yes you do this gcse this a level then you get your degree and then you walk into this job and that's it and you live happily ever after let's talk about what that's actually like well
1: from a from a performing world it for me it was just i i so i remember having what an agent meeting with however many agents i spoke to and i was always like i'm never gonna do panto don't even think about signing me up for cruises you come out and you think oh my gosh who would take coronation street that is just so beneath me (laughs) I'm gonna work for the royal shakespeare company and for the national and then I'm gonna get a film directed by Kenneth Branagh um and that I genuinely do believe we all came out thinking a little bit like that was how it worked um and it's definitely not that it's very much you get a job working front of house in a theatre and selling ice creams and you meet people there loads of people I met through front of house work even and some you know the big west end people like the one one week they're working in a west end show the next week their contract's up and they're back working front of house like it is crazy you can walk in well when I when I graduated you would walk into a theatre and actually possibly see somebody that you were seeing in a huge show the week before and now serving you ice cream um so I guess that was probably a first reality hitter for me when I went and got a job working at Wicked um I was speaking to people and working with people who had just finished in Matilda and things like that and I was like oh damn this is this really isn't an easy career, not that I ever thought it was easy. Um, but you know, people who'd work, worked in incredible jobs are now doing the same thing as me. This is, it was a bit of a, a, a harsh reality wake up call. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of the time as well, we weren't I know, there's some schools that do prepare you for like, creating your own work which i think is a really important thing for performers um because actually unless you're prepared to work for free and and do all of the free fringe stuff which is great and it is so much fun going to the edinburgh fringe and getting all the experience and things and, and so much stuff does get picked up from doing fringe that you can't really knock it but that stuff has a shelf life too it's like well great I've just spent so much money at uni for three years now I'm working for free in fringe theatre how how do you get into the big stuff and it's for from where I was sitting it just looked like you either have to have the best agent which is you know so hard to do if during a big class or in in the year before me they all kind of got quite good agents And in my year we couldn't get them in to see the shows for some reason so quite a few people left without an agent some people left with small agents and small agents are amazing as well um sometimes it it pays better to be with a small agency rather than being a small person in the big pond um but yeah so it's there's just there's so many different answers to that question really uh, but i did not come out feeling when i walked into my first professional audition for wicked (laughs) i just remember coming out and being like well i was not prepared for that that was just the the material i took in the other people that i heard going into the rooms and stuff and watching other people and their confidence i just thought that was i just didn't feel that prepared and i don't know whether that was me whether that was my training Or whether that was that's just how everybody is when they first graduate. But it definitely it definitely didn't feel like I was going to I don't know, it didn't feel like things were on the right, on the right path from the get-go, which is a shame. Um because you come away with a lot of arrogance, I think, leaving drama schools. You kind of go, I've just left the school where Judy Dench trained, so that's who I'm going to become. Um, So yeah, there's a lot of humbling, I guess, about leaving it. Um, Yeah, sorry, I'm just rambling now.
0: No, not at all. And I, I think it's the reality that actually, you know, we've got parents that listen to this, we've got young people in schools and colleges and universities listening to this. And actually it's important that they hear that because I think too often you can, I remember sitting in I can't remember even what it was called now but there was this program that you had for careers guidance and you could basically put in there like it was almost like a personality test but you'd only put in like three things it's like what are you interested in travel something else and something else do you have a minimum salary salary expectation yes at least fifty thousand pounds yeah exactly like, you're going to be a pilot <laughs> <laughs> but am I <laughs> am I I can't see <laughs> and it was that it was that sort of and I I do remember the well I go and I'm sure everyone's on on their journey and actually the reality of the I guess the brochure mm. the expectation when you're looking at it from the the luxury of being at school and we we look back and go school's incredible how can we well, you think when you're at school you're like I can't wait to get out there and do the job or whatever it is that I'm looking to do but actually school was the the, the absolute best time because you had none of those pressures of ah mortgages yeah <laughs> ah, electricity bills ah children <laughs> you know all of these sorts of things come along so at what point did you feel like it did start to turn a corner if you like and actually you had those experiences where you thought oh this this was worth it uh
1: so it's always been worth it don't get me wrong it was just it the you get knocked down a few pegs i think um when things don't go the way you, you planned them to but for me actually it was when create when i creating your own work actually has been something that's saved me in the industry in a way because it it keeps you creative but it's um it's amazing being able to live off of something that's that you have put all of your hard work into and you're not kind of not piggybacking but you're not relying on someone else and things like that which is has been really great and I two of my best friends from drama school we formed a little girl group together um and we played at Hyde Park at sport events at the um the Royal Parks half marathon we did we were on stage there for their entertainment throughout the day and we just did so many awesome things together that it was kind of that was the first kind of moment I think for me where I was like oh actually it's not just about waiting for the work to come to you you have to go out and make the work happen I actually saw a um interview with two celebrities and I can't remember who they are um I can't remember who it was but two like really famous actors and they kind of said the same I think one of them went to Bristol Old Vic Um, drama school and he said that they were really encouraged to produce their own stuff and create their own stuff and that's actually I think how he ended up making his career and getting noticed as an actor by putting on his own work Um, and and yeah actually for me most of my successes I guess have come from being a nice person and uh, and meeting other people who then go, oh, actually, I've got I've got a job that you might be good for that you might want to do, and rather than you know grafting and emailing people all day, being like, please see me for this job, please see me for this job, it's a, such a nicer uh, reality when you get offered the you know when someone introduces you to the work, um, which that was I was telling you yesterday about the Darren Brown job. Um, that was like my first first experience of that where I had a, a teacher actually from drama school message me on Twitter and said oh hey how are you doing um do you fancy coming and being a performer in a tv program for channel four and I was like oh yeah tell me more uh but the answer basically was I can't tell you more it's secret and you're not allowed to know anything until you get there but I'm part of it, so you know it's kosher. <laughs> uh, so I kind of had to trust this guy, and then I he told me this an email address to get in touch with, and so I emailed this woman, and she sent me back. She said, "Oh, actually, we're looking for a few more people. If you know anyone, so I then became the headhunter as well and messaged a few friends. Said, "Oh, yeah, I don't know anything about it, but come along and do this thing." And we all it was the apocalypse, which was where Darren Brown hypnotized a guy into thinking that it was the end of the world and that humans are turned into zombies so we got onto this bus at probably about five in the morning in London all had to put our phones into a box and we weren't told anything until that point and then once our phones are in the box they were like right we are going to do this <laughs> hope that's fine <laughs> uh, but yeah um, so that was my in with that job and actually having The inn in that as well benefited me a few days later on the final day of shooting, my drama teacher came up to me and was like, right, we've changed the way the show's going. We've written in another character last minute because we don't think that what's going to, what they've written was going to work. So I then had to at 21 become a late 40 year old woman, half infected by being a zombie coming to meet my husband who was one of the other actors who was in the scenario with the guy who'd been hypnotized and uh and I only got that because he he kind of vouched to me and was like oh yeah yeah, she's good she's fine so it definitely I've benefited from knowing people if you like in in that respect um so yeah it's it's a it's a tough industry that's for sure it's not one that there is no rhyme or reason to anything um people love hiring new graduates because people love giving people new work, but also people love hiring people that they've worked with before and they trust. So if you're not one of those people, and if you kind of have fallen beneath the cracks a little bit, you really have to work hard to get yourself seen. And a lot of the time that comes from putting your own work out there, keep on going to classes. It's like, I think so many people in as as performers, they finish drama school and they're like, I'm a trained actor. Now I'm a trained singer. I'm a trained dancer but in actual fact, you know, athletes don't stop training, people don't stop, you know, you might stop, if you're a banker, you know all the maths in the world, you might stop going on courses to further your maths development, but sorry, that was um, really kind of squashing bankers, bankers, you're great, um, but um, but yeah, do you know what I mean, like, I think we, there's a lot of it where we, you have to keep getting, going to classes and And there's so much out there as well. I mean, so many of the casting directors go along and and do sessions with people and you can go and do some monologues and stuff. And that's a really good way to meet people that you're not being able to get seen by. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I want to talk about Legoland. Okay. (laughs) And the reason I say that is because at some point we are going to get your brother on. And it was fascinating having the conversation yesterday. Obviously, I didn't prompt you. And you talked about that kind of that experience, and I, I find that fascinating. With two people with very different careers, but actually a, a single experience, if you like, actually becoming quite an interesting waypoint in your journey. So, can we explore that a little bit?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, um, my brother is a stuntman. Um, before he became a stuntman, he was a gymnast. Um, he was part of the um, GB kid squad? I don't know. What was he? He, he, he performed. He, was, he, he performed. Was, he, he was
0: very, he was very good. He was I mean, very high up in one gymnastics. Of his, one of his teammates has quite a few Olympic medals. So yes. Yes. Very good.
1: The most Olympic medals, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Um, is that true? Yeah, I think anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we had very different lives. He was a gymnast and went to gymnastics all day, every day competed around the world etc and then I was doing the opposite prancing around playing make-believe and refusing to do any kind of sit-up or anything like that Um, I can barely do a roly-poly he taught me a few years ago Um, and he was leaving he was at college and just wasn't enjoying it we're just not academic at all kind of people and he was doing um uh, kind of sports therapy or something something to do with helping people um (laughs) and uh and yeah he just wasn't enjoying it and he was was begging my parents to let him quit and I said to my mum I said mum please don't let him quit without something else to do because otherwise he, he might just fall to the to the sidelines a bit because by this point as well he'd he'd quit gymnastics um full-time and was trying out other things because you know he was a teenager and wanted to experience teenager stuff yeah um so he was doing rugby and meeting girls and stuff Uh, and so yeah so my mum was chatting to a guy called Dan um Dan Thomas if you're listening hey um (laughs) we call him stuntman Dan um so she was having a chat with stuntman Dan who used to train down at the at sapphire gymnastics in Hemel Hempstead where my brother trained and um and she said oh you know have you got any advice what what can I do and he said actually how old is he and I think he was just turning 16 or just turned 16 she said 16 oh, um and and he said well actually I work as one of the um coaches or something I can't remember what his actual job is at Legoland but he kind of overseed, overseed, oversaw the stunt side of the stunt show at Legoland and, and said, I'll bring him along to the auditions and we'll we'll see if he's a good fit. And then he got that job. And that was like, really huge for him at 16. He moved out, he moved to Windsor uh he got a moped license and his best mate got it as well he was actually always destined to be a fireman and he now lives in Vegas and working in Cirque du Soleil like it's just crazy how this one job Legoland changed so many of our lives um and and yeah so Jake and Ryan got this job at Lego and then uh Jake moved to Spain for a bit to be in another show and then I think that he saw somewhere uh along one of the facebook groups or whatsapp groups that he was in with the lego guys and saying that they were looking for the girl narrator role so he said oh sis why don't you go for that um so he put my name forward and then i got the job uh doing that as well and so we got to be in the show together quite a lot which was really awesome and just so rare to be able to get to perform with a sibling um and Absolutely, my favorite thing ever. I just, I love doing things like that with my brothers. Like I, I produced a show two years ago. And my brother, my other brother, played the drums in that. Uh, and performing with people that you've literally known your whole life is just so much fun. um And yeah, uh and Legoland. If it hadn't been for Legoland, I wouldn't have met Adam. Well, I might have met Adam, but he wouldn't have been so impressed with me because uh, we met on Tinder. But one of the reasons why he was so enamoured with me was because as a kid he'd gone along to legoland and seen the stunt show and been like oh my god i want to be a stunt man told his career advisor they squashed it then saw that i was in it thought that i was this cool stunt woman he found out later that i was not a stunt woman (laughs) very much just run around um telling people what to do who were doing stunts um and yeah i guess the rest is history because from there i got other bits of work and um I got a panto from a guy who worked there and things like that so it's kind of yeah that kick-started quite a lot for me which is this I never would have thought that working at a theme park would have been my <laughs> like booster um, but that really it was a really wonderful job and I miss it all the time I live a little bit too far away now um, and yeah it's it was a great job and working with my brother is definitely something that i plan to do more of in the future as well uh great would it if we were in like the next james bond together although i just watched the most recent james bond last night is there going to be any more james bonds
0: well we couldn't say that yeah we wouldn't want to spoil it but who knows who knows yeah so if there is
1: maybe i could be the next james bond and he could be my stuntman just saying that would be cool that'd be really cool but it's really cool I actually worked on um the James Corden Cinderella uh, in 2020 2020 Um and the stunt coordinator on that knew my brother and so it was quite nice being like oh my brother blah, blah, blah. and he was like oh yeah great Jake and then actually My brother thinks that it was because of that conversation that he then called him in for another job because it reminded him of my brother, um, which was nice. I feel a bit like, yeah, that's good. (laughs) Um, So
0: I'm I'm a little bit curious now about, I guess, that whole overview of the, the whole sibling thing. And I say that because it's really really difficult having one kid that goes in one direction one kid that goes in another and if you've got three kids that are all going in different directions from a parent's point of view that's like a real challenge so now being a parent yourself and let's say a little bit more mature and probably less naive than we all were when we were leaving school um when you reflect back on that period what was kind of your journey like with your siblings and i guess again messages for people out there who have got kids or are you know that person trying to find um a support mechanism because i think when we spoke yesterday that was one of the things you said was a huge factor in your journey was the support that you guys yeah
1: i think i i think it's with anything to be honest like any walk of life even sorry but breastfeeding you cannot you it's just so hard to do things successfully if you haven't got support um just to throw that one in there as a whole other topic that we can talk about another day um but support just from our parents was 100% without doubt the reason why we all are happy doing what we're doing and in some lights, successful and I just it's really i i I can imagine that and i know there are a lot of parents out there whose kids come to them and say i want to be a dancer i want to be a stuntman i want to be a painter and they look at their kids and say well that's you know that's great but that's never going to work is it like that's not a real job you know you need to have something else and while that you know it's it can be true it is you know you do need other skills because as a stuntman if you get injured that's your career done you have to have other things that you can put your hand to so absolutely encourage your children to not put all their eggs in one basket but don't discourage their passion because what's the point what is the point if you don't enjoy what you're doing and i know there's so many people out there who don't know what they want to do and i've always been quite envious of those people the people who just are happy with the 9 to 5 and saving up for a holiday every quarter and just going home on the friday and not thinking about work until monday i'm i just would love to be like that but i'm not wired that way um and for people like me who aren't you know aren't happy with the 9 to 5 and and don't enjoy the normal stuff um it needs to be supported and it needs to be nurtured, and the the fear that the parents have can really manifest itself into something much bigger in the kid for the kids. Like it can really ruin and quash dreams, which no parent wants to do. But equally, they don't want to build their kids up for you know failure in life because it, it is hard. So it's it's a really it's, it is a hard line to walk because there's part of me that sometimes goes to my parents. Why did you encourage this career? It's such a burden. Um, but Lauren of the past would not have stood for them getting in my way. I would have hated my parents if they had. And luckily, we have such an amazing relationship. And the same with my brothers. And that literally does come from the fact that my parents for, well, 20 odd years have given up their time to drive Jake to Huntingdon every two weeks for gymnastics competitions, drive him to Hemel-Hempstead every single day after school for gymnastics club. And we used to house um, exchange gymnasts from Slovenia and other countries. And then at the same time as one of my parents was driving him to Hemel and other countries and flying around the world with him, they were coming to see me in shows and taking me to Amdram and and the expense of that as well is is astronomical. And then when they had a third baby 11 years later who wants to be a drummer, they've now built him a shed at the bottom of the garden, which all the neighbours absolutely resent them for, probably. Um, and my dad, every single gig that my brother has, he pays for more than the amount of people or goings worth of tickets in terms of the family, not the whole venue. But every time he'll just flat out buy like 10 tickets because that's a prerequisite to getting gigs for some band, they have to prove that they can get a certain amount of people through the door. My dad's always like, yeah, great, let's, let's, we have to do that. Um, and for those people who aren't as fortunate, cause you know, I have to acknowledge that, that our privilege of my parents being able to pay for those things because actually they are all really like drama, especially the performing world is so expensive. Um, but there's so much out there that you don't realise there's bursaries, which I never knew about really until I kind of it was till it was a bit too late, um, until I was having to pay for surgery. Um, and there's bursary, and there's also like people love to support kids doing things that they love doing, so bring and buy sales or like bake sales or like I did putting on your own shows as a kid and doing sponsored things there are other ways to get around it which also i think gives the kids an appreciation for how hard you have to work to to get your goals um so you know while it is great to to just flash the cash and get your kids what they want there and then actually it for some people it works so much better to to say yes you can absolutely do that we'll pay half you pay the other half how can we get the money right you can do some car washing or you can you know whatever yeah. um so you know what I, I totally acknowledge that i am from a very fortunate privileged background um but there are you know there there are other avenues as well to pursue if you're not so fortunate um but that really does take hard work as well so i i you know <laughs> it it's it's a hard one I but think, support, yeah. support, support, support,
0: support. <laughs> I think that's a really interesting point there, because if you, if I think that's like the, the sporting advice that I give to a lot of parents and young athletes is that sometimes you can have all the facilities, the money, the coaches, all of that around you. And that's still not enough. Actually, you know, there's, there is an element with like it or not. There's an element of right place, right time. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, if and uh, picking some basic examples, if, Again, it's probably not public knowledge, but if you if you want to compete for Scotland at this summer's Commonwealth Games, there's a 50 percent smaller team than if you happen to compete for England, because it's a home Commonwealth Games in England, and they happen to have more things. Now, if you're and it's the same with the Olympics in London in 2012, we took the biggest team you can possibly imagine if you went to the last Olympics, the team's probably 50% of that size. Yeah. Now you can't plan for those sorts of things to happen. So I think there is an element of luck, but also there's an element of putting yourself out there, like you said, because realistically, if you're you know, going and doing the front of house work, going out and meeting people, going and volunteering at events, going and doing that, yeah you you might get lucky but actually if an opportunity appears you can guarantee you're going to grab it with two hands whereas like you say people i think in any walk of life often expect to graduate or get the certificate or do whatever line of work they're in the qualifications and then the work just comes to them and it's like it might if you're really lucky but realistically it's probably not um so i think that's a really important message to kind of get out Mm. there because it doesn't matter whether you want to be an actor or anything else it's it's not going to just roll to your your front door without you doing anything
1: it is hard and and actually i guess i i would really encourage people to look outside of their own networks so go right you want to be an actor okay great not necessarily who do i know who's another actor but maybe who do i know who's a writer who do i know who's a choreographer who do I... because actually unfortunately other actors can't really do that much for each other there's you know i've i've got some friends who are in hollywood films who you know live at home with their girlfriend who's an actress who's teaching kids every saturday because she can't get a break and it's like well actually he couldn't get her in so it's not it you know it had her boyfriend been a writer maybe he could have written her apart in something or maybe do you know what i mean so it's it's i think from the parents perspective if you want to support your children you want to encourage it but you don't want to just you know tunnel vision them in that direction because you are aware it's not a it's a risky career which it is then then maybe you know like that so I don't want to be a writer myself at the moment sometimes I enjoy it but my whole life I've always gone I want to be an actor everyone always says to me why don't you write something do this do that and I always used to get really frustrated because I was like I'm not a writer I'm an actor I prefer performing the work I don't want to make it my my opinion has changed nowadays but had i had friends who were into writing plays then actually maybe i could have put their work on and and helped myself along that way so i think that's just something which has come to me now actually like have a look outside of that career and see what's linked to it that can actually you can help them at the same time as them helping you and and yeah just make those connections as well rather than just the person you want to be and following them around
0: it's interesting and I think a lot about I guess we talked about the parent aspect of it both for yourself and for your parents but there must be a huge element of pride even if it's I'm sure it is spoken but an an element of we did all of that hard yards if you like to get our kids to follow their ambitions and their dreams and you know you can sit back now and go and and watch you do your various performing on on stages and on tv you can go on netflix and watch jake do his things in a marvel film and then you can go and see your brother performing at a gig and actually as a parent that you just want your kids to be happy and to sit back there must be a huge element of pride there i would imagine oh my gosh i yeah i
1: mean i feel that as an older sister i just watching both of my brothers fills me with the most amount of joy like I remember the first time I saw Jake, even in the, the pirate show at Legoland, I remember just thinking, Oh my gosh, he's so awesome. This is this is amazing. Like that's my brother. Um and and then the first time I saw him fire-breathing. I, I, I'd I like to say the first time I saw him in a film, but because he's a stuntman, you don't actually see him. You can't, like, he's just flying around in the background. Um, but I, the first time I saw his his name in a film at the end credits, that's, like, that's epic. That is just such a wonderful buzz. Um, and Bradley, like, he supported Top Loader a couple of weeks ago in Brixton, and it's there's just, yeah, it's really amazing to see and so I can't imagine how it feels as a parent um I mean when Junie claps I am very very proud (laughs) so I can't imagine what I'll be like when she does whatever she ends up wanting to do um but yeah I will support her no matter what even if she wants to be a banker I will support her and I'll get her tutors because I will not be able to help (laughs) at all (laughs) um I can give her my accountant's number. But yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, it's a really fun life. It's hard, but you can make a success even if you're not, you know, famous and all the rest of it. You can still, I, I keep my head above the water. I have a mortgage. I'm married. I'm happy. I've traveled so much. And a lot of that is because of performing. Um, so yeah, there's just, it's it's definitely not a career to, to just, Push off just because you you know you know how hard it is like everything's hard,
0: and it's it's applying your passion to that hard work so it doesn't feel like work because people you talk about the nine to five and people being able to switch off they switch off from their work whereas Mm -hmm. I'm the same and you know me and Adam have our conversations all of those sorts of things we don't switch off because we don't treat our work as work we enjoy what we do and we get to spend however many hours we choose to invest each week very much beyond the hours we're paid for because actually for us it's it's fascinating it's yeah. it's the kind of thing that gets the best out of us so i guess i've got i've got two more things i want to ask the, the first one is again looking back with your wiser head on what what are the what are the superpowers that have got you to where you are now that perhaps you probably weren't aware of at the time what are those skills habits behaviours that have put you in good stead to get you to this point
1: um definitely resilience um no um knowing knowing what your goals are like knowing what you want from life like yes it changes but knowing what you'll accept to make you happy and and not not faltering on that don't just take things just because they're there you know if do it because it makes you happy and i think i think that's for me the biggest driving force of everything is will it make me happy if it doesn't pay me a dime but it fills me with absolute joy then i would rather do that than live in a big house for example um so i think yeah knowing what makes you happy is one thing and Actually, they both kind of are just making sure you're happy because um, I think that's what life is about. But um, also not, um, not letting real life not happen as well because I think there was a long time where I was so... I think it's important to go to your friend's weddings. I think it's important, it is important to go to a funeral. I think it's important to be with people on special occasions. And there's so much about the performing industry that makes you feel like you, you can't do that stuff because, well, I have to, because the show must go on. I have to be there because if I don't, I'll miss this opportunity. When actual fact, I think releasing that is was was actually instrumental for me in in enjoying the ride because because otherwise you just it, it can become a bit of an obsession and i think and i think giving yourself the freedom to say no to things is really important and i've only recently learned that mm-hmm. um, so with my white, wise ahead i would definitely say choosing what makes you happy from a work perspective. So going like, I'm, I'm not doing this just because of the money. I'm doing this because X, Y, and Z, because ultimately it's probably going to make me very tired because anything performing tends to have long hours involved. Um, and, uh, and, you know, you can't say yes to a lot of social commitments and things, but then equally going right. For example, I actually had my, my wedding was in twenty. 20- 18, 2018 and I was oh I was through I got onto the live rounds of X factor um with it was a it was a another like weird nudged in by a recommendation from someone who worked on it and um had I got further along it would have clashed with my wedding and at the time I was like yeah I mean that's that's just the nature of the business isn't it obviously i'm yeah. going to take x factor um and uh, i think that is just just the wrong attitude i think you have to you have to put real life stuff first sometimes as well and it's really hard to do as a as a, a budding performer um it's really really difficult to know that to make plans basically you just are always like oh maybe depends what I'm doing and that's sad because you can really miss out on on life if you if you do that too much sorry but that wasn't really answering your question um was it
0: yeah Yeah, it it was and I think it's it's interesting whether that's a period of time it takes it is it is definitely but also I mean from my own journey I can pinpoint a moment where I came out of I came out of sport uh, for uh, 14 months and went into a sales role in London or account management role as it's titled. And uh, in the application process to get to that, I applied for, I don't know, maybe 10 different roles. And I remember walking into a room and for some context, when I left my last job, I was on 24K. That was based where I knew where I was. And there was a commuting job in London. I remember going into the office and the guy said to me, do you want to earn 90,000 pounds a year? And my eyes like went like this. And I was just like, ding, ding, ding. I was picking out my <laughs> Ferrari, you know, all of that insane stuff when someone says that to you. And I remember sitting in the interview and then he said, oh, we've got a, an aptitude test or something you had to do. And he put me in this room and then he left me for like half an hour to fill in this paperwork. And up on the wall was the, the, the phone number tallies of the team that had been doing these various sales calls. And the minimum number on there was 150 phone calls a day. And I asked him afterwards, I said, what's your working hours? And he said, oh, generally, no one gets in after eight. And generally speaking, no one leaves probably before six. And I'm thinking it's an hour and a half for me to get from my house to here. So I was sitting there going, if I earned £90,000 a year, I would never spend it because yeah. I'd wake up, come to work, get home, and go to bed and then the weekend I'd be so exhausted. And it was anyway, I didn't take, uh, end up going for the job uh, after going through the application process. But actually, it was the first time I actually stepped back and went, hold on, if you want to find a career that's going to satisfy you, you need to stop looking past the dollar signs. Yes, you've got to pay your bills and all those sorts of things, but you're going to spend upwards of 40 hours a week for the good chunk of your life doing what you set yourself up to do and actually do you enjoy it and i think there's a really powerful kind of message that you've brought out there of looking back and actually saying there is more to life than just your work stuff and make sure Mm. you've got a job that allows you to have that because you know some people are desperate for whatever job it is yeah the knock-on effect it has on the rest of their life or perhaps they don't appreciate
1: yeah absolutely it is It's so important, isn't it? Like you don't want to just work until you die. And the amount amount of people that do, like you you get, you check in your pension and then it's just, oh, see ya. Like, it's just so sad. So it's like, let's let's change that.
0: (laughs) So there's the the final question and I ask it to all my guests in various forms. Uh, And we discussed this yesterday. So I'm gonna go with the, the latter option. If you could go back to 10 year old Lauren, who had already discovered she had a massive passion for this but was unsure of what would come next what would you say to that young girl
1: i would say <laughs> um i would say um, oh gosh there's so much that i would say um because part of me a lot of what i would say contradicts what i've just said and 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 that was you know don't worry about the social side of things because as a kid i was like as a teenager i was I, I definitely got sidelined by boys and friends and all the rest of it as i think everyone does and now i'm like ah oh, curse you <laughs> if you tried harder then um no um just take every opportunity and and don't don't be scared of failure um there's there's this one audition that I never went to because it was while I was at drama school and it was for uh, one of the shows to find the next Andrew Lloyd Webber star um, and I will always regret not going to that. So if I could say do this one thing, it would have been that go to that go to that show go to that audition. Um, But, yeah, I think it would It just, just keep working hard. I think I would just always say keep working hard and maybe do a few dance classes because <laughs> I can't dance. And that has definitely been an Achilles heel of mine. Um, and, yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't think I'd do anything particularly different, to be honest. So I feel like I'd just say keep on going and keep enjoying it. Um and thank your parents lots
0: <laughs> that's a really that's a very lovely way to pull it together and I think yeah. I've been woodpeckering you for about a year to kind of get this this together and I think I'm going to have to go for probably another year to get Adam to come on and do it but it's <laughs> it's been really really enjoyable to go through this because I think it's it's I guess unless you've got an experience in that industry which a lot of people don't you see the veneer you might just see the oh I've heard that person on stage or you watch an X Factor and you just see that linear line and think well that's it so I think for a lot of people who don't understand that industry it's given them a real real insight and some very honest reflections so Lauren thank you so much for your time it's been awesome thank you I apologise if I waffled a lot
1: I do tend to do that so Kev will probably edit all of my erbs and butts
0: out I'm leaving Um, every single bit in oh good excellent (laughs) even the bit about my mum thinking this is swimming yeah that's how it started and that's how it's going to (laughs) finish
1: Oh, love it. Right. Well, thank you, Kev, for having me. And I look forward to uh, hearing all your other podcasts in the future.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Lauren. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. And don't forget, we've got a back catalogue of content that goes all the way back to January 2020, including fighter pilots, Olympic champions, TV presenters and inspiring authors. We'd really appreciate it if you can give us a quick rate and review, however you're joining us today. And if you don't want to miss out on any future episodes, make sure you hit subscribe. Our community update drops once a month and we've got some great guest content being added, so be sure to sign up for that. And finally, we're all about inspiring and supporting as many people as possible. So if you can share this episode with one person that you think would enjoy it, that would be really, really cool. Thank you again for joining us for another episode of the Rogue Monkey podcast.